0: Fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world, world. around the world. This, this is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. Here's what we got coming up for you this week. Documentation. How
1: can you document procedures and processes for your business? I know you probably have documentation in place
0: for your clients, but sometimes you might neglect documenting how work is done within your company. That's Owen McGabb of Sweet Process, and we're gonna be talking systems today. Systems, processes, and documentation. They're so important in your MSP, and Owen will reveal later on how to make it easier to document the things that you do day to day. We're also gonna be talking about what happens when a client wants to leave you. It's so frustrating, but what's really important is that you're an adult about it, because you never know that client might come back to you in the future. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Imagine this nightmare scenario. You're at home, you're in the middle of a real work flurry but you need caffeine, you're desperate for caffeine. So you nip downstairs, you make yourself a coffee, open the fridge, pull out the milk and give it the sniff test oh it's gone off the milk's off this is an absolute nightmare so you think right okay it's not a problem i'll just nip down to the local supermarket or the grocery store and i'll just get myself some milk so you jump in the car drive down to the shop jump in and you go in and you grab yourself some milk and you you chose that particular supermarket because the milk is always cheap there and you grab some milk and you look at it and you think great i've got some milk and then by the time you get to the till there are five or six other items in your hands you've picked yourself up some uh, some chocolate maybe some biscuits so, Oh, need some of that washing powder or, we're nearly out of washing powder at home you get the idea you sometimes you might even walk out with a flat screen tv that's why they sell these things there the point is that you nipped into the store to get one thing a, a staple a basic everyday item and while you were there you bought other things now shops smart retailers know this is how we work as humans so they work very hard to do two things the first thing is they try and attract us in by making the staples that we buy on a regular basis being as low priced as they can be even premium stores will make the price of staples low price so that milk and I've got to be honest, that I, I would fail the politician's question of how much is a pint of milk right now. I have no idea. But let's say milk costs you 50 pence, or what's that, about 70 cents in, in, in dollars. Let's say that milk costs you 50 pence. That's probably got no profit for the retailer whatsoever. And this is known as a loss leader. It's known as a loss leader because people go in to buy that item and the store is choosing. In fact, it's a strategic choice to lose money or not make any money on that item. Because the other thing that they're doing is they're putting things in front of you that they know you will buy on an impulse. So that flat screen TV or those biscuits or something else, that's where they make up the profit margin. And of course, the big retailers are very good at this. Well, the reality is you could actually do this in your msp you could have a loss leader and i don't see many msps doing this but that doesn't mean it's something that you shouldn't look at because there are lots of different things that you could do as a loss leader if for example and these are only examples but if for example you were so focused on getting the monthly recurring revenue that you didn't really care how you went about getting it because you know that someone who signs a contract is going to stay five seven years you just want that monthly recurring revenue in that situation you might for example discount the project that it takes to get them in through the door in the first place so you might have a ten thousand dollar project to upgrade them or move them onto the cloud or whatever you're doing and you might offer that to them at a discount you might say look this is a retail price of ten thousand dollars if you sign a three-year contract we will drop that down to seven thousand dollars so essentially we're not making any margin on that project that's our way of investing in you Mr. or Mrs. Client, because we want to get you on board and obviously get you onto a contract. And that would be a loss leader. You're not actually losing any money on that project, but I appreciate that projects can be nice profit items. They can be great for cash flow, but they can also be a great way to make sure that you secure that client for the next three, four, five years. You could apply exactly the same approach to some of your services like VoIP. I mean, we all know that VoIP is is money for old rope, isn't it? There's just huge amounts of margin around VoIP, maybe you could offer that as some kind of a loss leader. You may choose not to because there's too much margin in it, but actually it's a commodity product. If it takes giving away, I put giving away in speech marks there, if it takes more or less giving away the VoIP to get the client so that you can actually make the good margin on all the other services you sell them, maybe that's worth doing. What we've got here is a very clever pricing strategy that you can use to pull people into your MSP. And because most MSPs don't do this, That's the opportunity for you. The question to ask yourself is where are we willing to lose some money in order to gain a client for the next three, five, seven, ten years? Once you can get your head around that strategy and have some ideas ready to roll out, that could give you a huge pricing advantage over some of your competitors. Here's this week's clever idea. I know the phone calls or the emails that you dread the most. It's when a client who you know deep down is not really happy with you, drops you that email or makes that phone call to say, guys, we're done. We're not going to renew our contract. We're going to move to someone else. And I know it doesn't happen to you very often. So when it does happen, it hurts everyone takes this personally. Even if you have a bigger business and you've been doing this a long time and you're somewhat insulated from the clients, it's still personal. Certainly I take it personally. I'm sure you take it personally as well. I think that effect of us taking it personally shows how I don't know how much we care still about the business but it is a horrible situation no one likes being in that situation where a client tells you it's over and it is something it can affect your whole day I always think in those situations you have to as much as you can be the adult about this because it's very tempting when someone tells you that they're willing to move on to another MSP it's very tempting to not be an adult about that and I Obviously, I'm not an MSP, but I speak to MSPs all the time. And I know that sometimes clients leave because of things that are wrong that they've done and not that you've done. And in fact, I've got a great quote to read about this in a second. Um, I know in those situations, it's very easy for you to not be the adult to say, well, do you know what? You guys are idiots. You might not say this to them, but you might think it. You guys are idiots. The problems you've got are caused by you. You don't listen to our recommendations. You don't follow our advice. Uh, you know, you said you didn't want XYZ solution and then you got hacked and somehow that was our problem. And it's all of this is going through your your head and your heart when that client says they're leaving. And that's that's a situation where it's very, very easy to be I'm not going to say be childish, but to not be an adult about it. Here's the thing, though: I believe when a client is dumb enough to want to leave you, you have to be as professional and as adult as you can possibly be in helping them to leave you, exit, and to hand over to another MSP. And it's really important that the client sees you being the adult and being the professional about it. Why? Because I believe some of those clients will come back to you in the future, but only if you've been an adult at the point that they left. So, if at the point that they left, you, you know, you were you, you let the service levels drop, you didn't look after them properly, you didn't do a proper handover to their new MSP. In six months' time when they're unhappy with that new MSP and they're, they've they got that buyer's regret, right in their heart, they're thinking, Oh, we made a really bad choice. Why did we do that? We should have stuck with the last guys. If you were unprofessional in the way that they exited the business, they're never going to come back to you. They're going to think, well, those guys weren't great. These guys aren't great. We need a third MSP. But if you were utterly professional and you were the adult and you still went above and beyond what it took to help offboard them onto another MSP, it makes it easy for them to come back to you because it's actually a very hard phone call for them. It's a, it's a, it's a massive blow to their ego and their pride for them to pick up the phone or to send you an email saying, yeah, we made a mistake. Can we talk? we'd like to come back can we talk that's a that's a big step down for a former client to do and i know this does happen for msps so you you want to make it as easy as possible for them you want to be professional you know even if it's if they're going for the wrong reasons be professional be the adult And, you know, at the very end of it, send them a handwritten note. This is what I would do. Send them a handwritten note saying, hey, Dave, I'm sorry it didn't work out between us or I'm sorry it didn't work out more long term with us looking after you. Um, It's been fun working with you. If if you ever want to have a conversation in the future about how we can help you, please give me a call. Here's my cell number. Here's my mobile number. And I think that would be a very, very smart thing to do. So you offboard them like an adult. There's always, always the opportunity that someone will come back. And many MSPs, maybe if you haven't had this, you, you will in the future at some point. Many MSPs have had clients coming back, particularly when that client has switched to save money. Very often when a client switches to save money, they realize why the other MSP service is cheaper because the service levels are lower. And they suddenly appreciate that the the service levels that you had and the proactive work that you did and the speed at which you operated was worth paying that extra money for. Now, I'm going to read you a quote, and this comes from an awesome book. If you haven't read this yet, it's a book I highly recommend. It's called MSP Secrets Revealed by Mark Copeman. Mark's a lovely friend of mine. I've got to know him over the last couple of years. He's been on this podcast. Uh, he wrote this book, I think it was a couple of years ago. This might have been his um, pandemic project. Yeah, 2020. It says the copyright at the beginning. And I know he's actively writing MSP Secrets Revealed Two as we speak and as we record this podcast. Now the, the great thing about this book is he's gone out and he's got uh, lots of MSPs and vendors and experts uh, who have contributed content into this book. I've got um, I've got something somewhere in here. I think I wrote about the profit matrix in in this one, but I'm going to read you something uh, from page two hundred and seven of the book. And this is from this was written by Nathan Maxwell of CCI Team. And I'm going to just give you a... a, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll give you a a shortcut. Nathan writes, stay classy always, always. That's like Ron Burgundy, isn't it? Stay classy, San Diego. Uh, So Nathan writes, stay classy always. MSP services are like any other aspect of life, up and down. Sometimes your clients love you. Sometimes, well, not so much. Be honest, be real, and be classy. No matter what the situation is, be the adult. And then he, he writes we bend over backwards to provide good service to keep computers networks wireless firewalls and all the other gear humming smoothly and then we aren't appreciated we're accused of poor quality we're blamed for something breaking when all we did was walk by an office be patient be the adult even if that means being slighted and nathan finishes this by writing and i love this our true personality shows only in dark times A thinker once said, you only see what's in the cup when it's bumped. If you're a true professional, show it. When life gives you the chance, be the adult in the room. You will never regret it. And MSP Secrets Revealed is full of great advice like that. So please do go and get that book. It is on Amazon. Be the adult in the room. Stay classy, San Diego. The ultimate MSP podcast crossover. Just before we get to this week's big interview, we've got something a little bit different for you. September is such an important month for growing your business because people come back from their summer vacations, their holidays, and they kind of get their head down and plow on with doing as much as they can to grow their business throughout the next few months before we get to the Christmas break. Now, the ordinary business owners and managers that you want to reach, they're doing that right now, which makes it a great opportunity for you to reach out to them because this is the point they're starting to make their big plans and implement them so i've got together with a bunch of other great msp podcasters around the world and together we are sharing our knowledge our best ideas throughout
2: september today it's todd kane hi i'm todd kane and i'm the host of the evolved radio podcast We're celebrating the ultimate MSP podcast crossover event all through September. The best piece of business advice that I've ever received is what gets measured gets managed. This is from management godfather Peter Drucker. This is really useful because MSP owners are very busy. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to focus on and you can get pulled in a lot of different directions. And if you understand what good looks like, you have these measures that are clearly understood by yourself and the staff. They act as objective measures that help everyone to understand what good looks like so that everyone can focus on what the priorities are and know when the business is off track, what areas need support. And allows you to focus on more of the strategic activities rather than being dragged into the day-to-day and the minutia of the business. Then if things are red and showing as off-track then you know where to apply some energy. But otherwise you get to stay out of the day-to-day and be more uh, trusting with the staff so that they can be more independent with the day-to-day and the management of the activities that they're supposed to be responsible for because They know what good looks like. They have those objective measures and allows everyone to work on the parts of the business that will move everyone forward. And it feels like everyone's working on the same thing and pulling in the right direction and know when it's working and when it's not. So when it's not, just work with the team. uh, Be curious. Ask lots of questions. Why do we think this isn't working? What are we not doing? Are there processes or systems that we're missing? Uh, And it allows a more... Uh, balanced approach to the troubleshooting of the things that naturally go wrong in the business. So I'll be back for our ultimate MSP podcast crossover on September 30th. And remember, you can win $1,000 by posting about our crossover on LinkedIn. You can use the hashtag MSP podcast crossover to enter the draw. See you then. The big big, big, big interview.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Owen McGab Enao, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Sweet Process. So, our, in a nutshell, our app makes it very simple for employees, their managers, and even employees on the ground and uh, management to come together to document procedures for how work is done, and even have this whole process of continuously improving them. So, at any given point, you can have one single place online to go to find instructions on how work is done at your company.
0: So documentation is an interesting thing in our world. Owen, you're not you're just taking your first few steps into working with MSPs, so I know you don't know our world very well, but documentation is interesting because your average MSP is actually very good at documentation, but that documentation is their clients. It's how their clients Networks are set up, it's what hardware they've got, what software they've got, the licenses, the users. And it's very much the the part of being a good MSP is to fully document all of your clients as much as you can because it just makes your job easier. However, many, not all, but many of the MSPs that I speak to fail to use that level of documentation for their own businesses. Is this a common thing that you see? Do you see that people find it very difficult to document things within their businesses? So, yes, uh, as a matter of fact, that is a normal thing where,
1: you know, people, they will focus on trying to, in in terms of MSPs, they are working with clients and uh, helping them with their IT and all that. But then internally, they don't have this documentation in place. We actually have several clients who are MSPs who have even given us case studies. And that was probably one of the issues that we're having is that, in order to scale and grow the company they needed to have this documentation in place so that you know uh, uh onboarding can be much faster mistakes are, are are much less so it's an issue not only msp's but across the
0: board's different companies experience this very thing so why why do we find it so hard to document the things that we're doing every day
1: well it might be just that uh it might not be the most exciting part of business. Maybe trying to go get sales, get new clients and all that, that's also exciting, right? Because you're bringing more more revenue into the business, but this other side doesn't get as much attention or maybe stays all the way to the end because it's not as that exciting. And then it looks like, oh gosh, I don't have enough time in the day to get stuff done. Now I got to spend time to sit down and document how we do work, right? So it, it then gets procrastinated. But the reality is that the business is really much, way much more valuable if you do have uh, documentation in place. Imagine the person, if you're trying to sell your business, who wants to come in and you don't have any documentation in place versus the one who has everything all documented and they don't really have to be in the business because anybody can be
0: replaced at any single time, which business will have more value? Of course, of course, it would be the documented one, And I'm sure you've read The E-Myth Revisited, and you've probably read Built to Sell as well, which, which you know, essentially are, are if, if you haven't read them, you need to read those books because the, the the outcome of both of those is to remove the chaos from the business, you systemize the business and you document the systems and you create what certainly what Michael Gerber calls in the E-Myth Revisited, he calls it the franchise model. You look at your business as if you were going to franchise it and you build yeah. a, an operating manual as if you were going to sell that on to someone else, even though you're not. So I think you know we we we've I mean that book that book alone has been out since what 1980 something a long time yeah very very long time and and I think you're you're right that there are there seem to be many other things do you find that people hit a, a point where either they're going to put the business up for sale and the broker tells them they need to doc- start documenting, or as you say, they, they just hit a barrier to growth. And they, they they realize that the barrier to growth is because they themselves are doing t- t- too many things or doing you know too much firefighting.
1: So I'll, I'll come at it at two angles because I've actually seen both situations. There was actually a customer uh, who came to us and the issue was they was trying to sell the business. And uh, the reality was they told him that, hey, you can't really get as much value for the business until you have this documentation in place because that's what will make the company much more exciting for potential buyers. And then on the other one was a situation where he's trying to, you know, he, you know he's getting a lot of customers in and, uh, you know, he wants to scale the op- op- operation side of things, but onboarding was slow. You get people into the company, taking over the roles, but it, you you can't, you know, uh, dump the information into their head much quickly as to how the work is done, and so that was slowing down, uh, uh you know, his growth. So it's from different angles, you know, employee onboarding, uh, basically uh, scaling the business uh, and, and selling the business, so on and so forth, and even to an, another extent too is delivering predictable results to customers. Is another thing too, because if you don't have uh, uh, documentation in place on how you do that, then people are doing things however they like. And then the results are not being predictable the way you want it to to be. So I just explained like different angles in which people find that, okay, they're, they're, they're having this problem, but
0: then it all boils down to you need to have documentation in place. Yes, yes. Let me admit something stupid I did back in around about 2009, 2010-ish. So I had a different business then. I had a marketing agency, and we only had around about three staff. But I read The E-Myth Revisited. I think I read it on a holiday. And so I came racing back to the business, and I'm like, right, everyone, we're going to document everything. We're going to create an operations manual. This is going to free me from the hell that is this business. (laughs) And um, obviously, I then started the documentation, which which. In a week, I perhaps produced four words because I had too many other <laughs> things to do. So I then yeah. took Zoe. Zoe is still one of my friends, although she, she doesn't work with me anymore. Zoe is one of the most capable human beings on the planet. And in fact, actually, she left me to go and become um, like an air ambulance paramedic, where you know she wow. would fly around in helicopters and, and save people's lives. She's awesome. And I said to Zoe, "Could you could you just document everything?" Which I know now is a mistake. So essentially, I sat her down for like a three month process, and she just sat and looked at everything we did in the business and turned it into a piece of paper. Now. The reason that was my biggest mistake was at the end of it, we had this massive manual with, with I kid you not, 70, 80, 90 pieces of paper, and everything was was documented of how it should be done. The mistake we'd made, I believe we, the mistake we made, was that there was zero engagement with me and with the other members of the staff. So Zoe had just sit, sat down Used her analytical brain to break things down, write those things on paper. She printed, you know, four or five copies of it, and no one ever looked at it ever again. Now, please make me feel better about my my mistake from ten years ago. Is that is that a common thing? Have you seen that before?
1: That's a common thing. As a matter of fact, if I if if I can give you a backstory so that people have context as to how I got you know involved in sweet process, so. uh, Back, uh, this was Supercess got started in the fourth quarter of 2019, right? And so SweepProcess, like I mentioned, is a software. But before then, I used to run an agency where uh, I was providing people with uh, and um, back office support from the mm. Philippines. People who had read this book, The Four Hour Work Week, The World is Flat, and automatically they would think, okay, uh, you know, they can go ahead and hire somebody and just magically give them work to do and uh, the work gets done predictably and the way they want, right? But then what I had to educate people on was that, you know, in order for us, you know, especially someone who's not sitting next to you, someone in a different culture, uh, a country to come in and take over the work from you, there has to be documentation in place. Well, the problem was a lot of the uh, tools that were to being used to document stuff were either enterprise level tools and so were hard to use. And so I said, OK, maybe there has to be a better way for us to do this. Uh, we have to find easier tools. I went on a podcast similar to like t- t- to this one where I was teaching how I was doing my business of um, helping people document procedures and processes in their business, and then giving their work to my teammates, my my uh, my people in the Philippines to do the work. And my co-founder, Jervis oh, at Sweet Process, listened to that interview was like, dude, uh, I want to uh, build something similar to what you were talking about. And you know, uh, so we had a conversation after he reached out to me. I said, instead of me just giving you suggestions on how to build this software you're talking about, what well, if we come together to build the software together? Because this is an issue we're facing. The tools out here to do this are hard to use, and I wanted to build something. And that's was how Sweet Process got started. Long story short, before we built anything, we spent some time talking to a bunch of different uh, people to figure out what their specific needs were with regards to documenting uh, procedures for their business. Took all those findings, and then we were able to announce, okay, instead of making our software as complicated as the ones I was running from, we got to focus on this the, the root problems people were having and build uh, the minimum viable version of that so that software is simple and easy to use. So now to the question of how to get started, because you said you uh, gave it to somebody to, uh, in this case, Zoe, Zoe right, to, to to get work done, uh, to get it documented and nobody else was involved. And for you know, you have all this documentation in place that nobody else was involved in and nobody can use. So what I said to do to, to, to combat that is, before you get documenting anything in your business, first of all ask yourself the question, is this something that we do need to document or in the first is this something that we need to do in the first place? Because if you don't need to do it, then there's really no uh, need to go through that whole uh, process of documenting it. It might be some tribal knowledge thing that you, oh, we've always done this, but you got to ask that critical question. And if that's the case, eliminate it well then now you're left with stuff that you actually need to do which is required for the business and that can be broken down into two parts the first part is the tasks that are income generating like you know the sales the marketing stuff that actually bring you know bringing revenue and then the parts that is not necessarily income generating but is what you know you need to the production parts of things like the things you need to do in order to deliver to your customers and so on and so forth right so the production side of the business and so what happens people might say okay i want to go ahead and jump into documenting the, the revenue generating parts of the business, because that seems like the exciting part to get involved with. And then, when you, the mistake if you do that is that, okay, if you document all that stuff and you bring in more people to follow those documents to get in more revenue, you're going to be uh, stuck with the fact that you have a lot of bottlenecks on the other side that you have not fixed yet. So, that's why I say focus on the production side of things. Figure out, okay, what is the single biggest bottleneck of your time right now? Right? That's where I want you to start first. Right, And so you take that single biggest bottleneck of your task and then say, so, okay, let's start documenting that task. The first way to do it is you got to install in your mind and, you, and the mind of your managers and your em- employees that, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to collaborate together. And it doesn't have to be perfect. This is going to be a thing of continuous improvement. So because when they see the very first version of it, they're they, they giving the permission to understand that, hey, we're starting from the, the scratch. So First thing is you've identified the the, the 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 task as the biggest bottleneck of your time. Then you go ahead and, you know, you can use this tool like three process or even any other tool out there, but document the title of the procedure and the title of all the steps. And the best way to even do that is while you're doing the work. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, while you're doing the work, it's, it's most fresher to you then. So as you're doing it, you enter the title of the, uh, the task and title of each of the steps. Now, don't worry about entering the details just yet. And people will be like, "Why don't I enter details?" I said, "No, because this has to be a collaborative thing where your employees have to be involved in it." So, once you've, you you so let's say you're doing a task that's uh, 10 steps, you, you you when you're done, you will have what I call a minimum viable procedure that has title of procedure and title of the 10 steps. Now, then you give that procedure to your manager or some employee who you've verbally trained on the task before and say, "Hey, this is something that I documented I didn't want you to have a blank screen. Now let's go ahead and uh, go ahead and start filling out the details. Now they, you know, they they, they find some time and start putting as much details details in there. And you tell them, hey, don't worry about making the details encyclopedia or level. Just the minimum amount of information in terms of text, screenshots, or if you want to put a small video in each step, whatever. Just put it in there so that we have something. And now you have that in there. And then, as your employees on the ground start doing work with, with whatever uh, task management software, whatever tool you use to manage tasks, make sure that while they're doing the work, that uh, procedure that your uh, manager has added some steps and uh, some details into the steps in, is right there in front of them. So, as they're doing the work, uh, the reality is they're going to come across certain things that were not accounted for. Right. And so, those things are not accounted for they're empowered now, or you empower them to say, hey, whenever you come across something that was not clear in each of these procedures, let us know. Uh, And and then we can take that information back and uh, improve upon uh, the documents. Right. So what I just walk you through is how you identify the biggest bottleneck, work with your manager to uh, fill in the details as much as possible, encourage your employees when they're doing work to have that thing right there in front of them so that as they're doing work, they can pass the feedback uh, back to you. And once you're done with that first one, now you identify the next biggest bottleneck, do the same thing again. Everybody is giving permission to know that this is continuous improvement. It's not going to be perfect, but you know we, we're counting on everybody to bring back feedback so we can improve it. Before you know you, you've gone from the biggest bottleneck to the next one, and now you have more time because you've documented all those tasks, do now start looking at, okay, what are those income generating tasks that I need to also document how they're done? Do the same exact thing on working on those as well. And you can start uh, getting more people to come over and take over some of those income generating tasks for you, which at this time makes more sense because these are the tasks that was the biggest bottleneck, you've documented how it's done and people are actually getting work done based on your instructions. So you're kind of clearing up the bottlenecks, knowing that if you bring in more employees following your income generating tasks, The bottlenecks will not be there as to be as an issue anymore as it was, but now you've documented uh, the different parts of your business. Just following this dance of, you know, uh, you know, uh, keeping everything simple and everybody understands this uh, continuous improvement.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Owen, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, it's, I think you, you, I thought I was a fast talker. You're just at it, <laughs> at it, just nonstop. It's awesome. I love your, I love your energy.
1: I should have told you earlier that if I'm talking too fast, slow me down.
0: <laughs> a lot of our listeners listen to our audio podcast on 1.5, so that oh, wow. so they, they listen faster. I think with you, they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to come back to 4. 0.5. <laughs> I tell you, they really are. So, listen, I'm gonna get you back on uh, on the podcast, uh, perhaps next year at some point. Because um, as you as you iterate your software and as you learn more and more about how companies um, you know document themselves, I, I think that that learning will be valuable. So it'd be great to get you back on. Just to finish, just remind us what the website address is for your business. So it's
1: sweetprocess.com. So sweet like candy, process. So sweetprocess.com. But I, I know people have been talking. We've been talking about the software, but I want to leave people with uh, basically a. 52 standard operating procedure templates, because even though I've shown you the framework on how to do it your, on your own, you might still want to have something handy to start off from. So to get access to that uh, um, uh, 52 standard operating procedure templates, you just basically go to sweepprocess.com forward slash MSP marketing. So sweetprocesscom forward slash MSP marketing, and you'll get access to that.
2: Paul
0: Green's MSP Marketing Podcast,
2: this week's recommended book. Hi, this is Schweb from asaservice.support. The book I'm recommending is Leading by the legendary Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, where he draws parallels between managing and leading Man United into great success and how that would work in the world of business. Coming up up next week. Hi, my name is Jamie Shanks. I'm the CEO of Pipeline Signals. And I'll be on the show next week talking about relationship signal intelligence. Follow your fans. Watch who leads your customers and goes into prospects and you will be able to create opportunity.
0: Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast so you never miss an episode. On top of our interview with Jamie next week, we're going to be talking about direct mail. I got something in the post this week that made me really want to take urgent action. So i'm going to show it to you break down all the different elements that in my opinion make it a fantastic piece of direct mail i've also got an idea from a real life msp and it's to do with making your live calendar available to prospects on your website it's a bit of a twist on that idea which will actually help you with your marketing all of that is coming next week and don't forget as well we have a ton of content for you right now on youtube just go to youtube.com/ MSP marketing join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP made in the UK for MSPs
2: around the world
0: Paul Greens MSP,
2: MSP. MSP marketing podcast.